Welcome to the Values Exchange Podcast. I'm Mike Cruz, your host, private pilot, author of Saturday Every Day, and CEO of North Texas Wealth Management, a firm dedicated to values-based financial planning. This podcast uncovers the values and habits of highly successful people and dives into how it has shaped their success and what you can learn from their personal stories. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Values Exchange Podcast. Uh, Today we have three guests with us, three executives from LPL Financial, and we're going to discuss the value of diversity and inclusion uh, with the experts. So um, great to have Regina Hayward, Nicole Nichols, and Vance Kirksey with us. So, um, you know, just briefly, you know, Regina is actually responsible for LPL's environmental, social, and governance, ESG strategy, uh, client value added networks, advisor diversity, inclusion. She's also a global thought leader and has been featured three times on Diversity Plus as one of the top 25 women in power impacting diversity. Um, her background includes her Juris Doctorate that she um, you know, obtained uh, attending North Carolina Central University School of Law. Um, great expertise. Glad, glad to have Regina here. And also, um, you know, Nicole Nichols is with us. She is the Chief Culture and Inclusion Officer responsible for leading the company-wide culture transformation while ensuring, ensuring employee engagement. It's a big job. And also Vance Kirksey, he's the Chief Learning Officer um, with LPL Financial, formerly the Senior Vice President of Human Resources, very accomplished senior human resources leader, a track record of building, um, learning development, and talent management strategies. So welcome all, glad glad to have you here. Uh, how is everybody? Great. Right. Great. Thank you for having us today. Yeah. I'm doing well. So, yeah, so I think, you know, we're talking about diversity. We're even diverse. I'm here in, in Texas. Vance is in San Diego. Uh, you know, Regina, Nicole in uh, South Carolina. So, yeah. I'm sorry, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for joining us. Um, Regina, you're the Senior Vice President of Client Communities and Sustainability. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, a little bit more about your background? Absolutely. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you today. Uh, It's just wonderful to share the work that's happening at LPL. As you mentioned, my career has uh, spanned over 25 years now in corporate America, and many of my roles have included global assignments, working with uh, organizations to really expand their multicultural reach into new markets, new customers, and certainly uh, new supply chain organizations. And what I'm doing here at LPL is so interesting because it brings together all of that learning and expertise, uh, as well as the the connectivity that I've been able to really focus on throughout my career. At LPL, what we're looking at is uh, a lot of macroeconomic trends around what's happening in the independent broker-dealer space across wealth management, Uh, some notable data that I'll share with you as we go through the conversation that's leading us to focus our activities and our strategic um, plans in certain ways. We are focused on bringing more people of color and women into the profession as advisors through our network of support, as well as through our relationships with both institutions 
and independent channels. On the sustainability side, we're focused on long-term business value creation and outcomes. And I've had an opportunity to see this play out in other financial services firms and the manufacturing industry and then globally. And so really focusing on the aspects of climate, what that means for our business, how we're bringing DEI across the organization, and more importantly, really ensuring that our business can weather um, long-term challenges and long-term uh, outcomes for our shareholders and our stakeholders, critically important. And then lastly, this new space of communities. What we're finding is that there is an additional value proposition when one joins um, a broker-dealer or a firm like an LPL, and it's really around ensuring that they have access to their peers so that they can grow and scale their firms. And so we are uh, on the leading edge from a financial services perspective in bringing that capability to client communities. So all in, it's about inclusion for our group on the advisory side. It's about making sure that we're taking a long-term view of uh, how our business is performing. And it's also ensuring that we're creating an ecosystem where our advisors can be successful through learning and sharing with their peers. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so DEI was kind of a new term for me. So diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's, right. uh, no, that's, that's great. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here. Um, Nicole, so you know, Chief Culture and Inclusion Officer, tell me a little bit more about the day-to-day. -day. Uh, what does that involve? Yeah, so again, thank you um, for, having, for having me here today to um, kind of talk about this very important topic. And so, you know, just in my 20-plus year career, and I won't give you the exact number because I don't want to age myself, um, but in my career, I've had the, just kind of the pleasure of being able to lead or be a part of culture transformations. And so, you know, I used to have this joke that anytime I showed up to a company, one of the first things they wanted to do was talk about transforming their culture. And so it's generally my fault um, most of the time. But I've had an opportunity to work on and such, you know, for large-scale organizations and smaller organizations. Here this year, I took on a new charge of being part of our culture and inclusion team, actually leading it as the chief culture and inclusion officer. And so what that means is I am laser-focused on a lot of the same things that Regina just mentioned. But think about it from the employee standpoint. So I do a lot of those things for our internal employees, those employees that are responsible for taking care of our advisors so that they can take care of their clients. And so what that means is as we are looking to transform our culture, we are working on our diversity, equity, inclusion efforts, that DEI. We've also add, added an additional um, portion of it, which is belonging. And so in belonging, what we're trying to do is we want to create environments where everyone feels like that they can belong. And we define belonging as being able to be heard, seen, and valued. So making sure that our employees have a voice, making sure that there's representation so that we can have that diversity of thought throughout our firm, which in turn will lead to better services and better solutions for the clients that we take care of. So that is a little bit of the work that I get to do every day. That's great. No, thanks for sharing that. And uh, last but not least, uh, <clears throat> Vance, um, you know, it's, it's pretty broad when we talk about uh, talent um, acquisition and, and your background, but kind of give me the, the big picture. What's, what's the day-to-day -day look like for you and, and your background and what, and you know, what does that involve? Of course, of course. And thank you again um, for having all of us here. And it's hard to follow such esteemed colleagues. I um, 
I will. I think I will age myself and be even um, the age diversity in the room when I say it's greater than 25 years it's, um, of corporate involvement. And really my focus, Mike, as you mentioned, has been in the learning and development space and really grooming and developing talent within the firms that I've worked for over the course of my career. But fortunately, I was also um, tasked with and, and had the chance to lead employee engagement, which led into having a broader culture purview as well in other organizations. And in some of those companies, you know, in years past, uh, was also able to start to introduce the DEIB efforts by introducing employee resource groups to organizations that didn't have them previously. And so growing that up from a very grassroots effort where employees feel like they are establishing a community that contributes not only to their well-being and their satisfaction at work, but also to contributes to the great work of the firm. And so um, I was fortunate to be able to do that. Um, as Nicole was saying, every company I went to, um, while I joined as a learning and development professional to lead um, a broader learning for the employees, it also bled into culture and engagement. And so I'm excited to do that also here. My day-to-day -day is focused on not only employee and leadership development, but we also have some advisor learning that sits within our function. And we are super excited to be able to support our advisors. They are at the center of everything that we do here at LPL. Um, but in focused on leadership development and executive education and all of those areas, really our goal is to have the best talent in the industry. And that's what we want to be known for. And if we combine that with a culture of belonging, which is what Regina and Nicole just covered, then we have this winning combination and we feel like it's a differentiator with not only within the financial services industry, but our goal is to become a destination for talent, that they want to come join our organization and then stay and thrive and continue to contribute. And so my day-to-day -day is blending the talent development side of the organization with the culture. And, um, and we created a function that Nicole leads that is a combination of culture, engagement, employee events, and the DEIB efforts as our North Star being create a culture of belonging and inclusion. I like that, a destination for talent, a culture of belonging. Um, I think that's, that's so important. You know, it's, I think what separates like a career from a job is, is that sense right. of belonging and wanting to stay especially now that, um, you know, it's changed. You know, people don't stay on the job as long as they typically do. And but maybe that sense of belonging can change that. That's great. So, right. um, so a few questions for you here. So we'll, we'll see who wants to answer this. But I think, you know, I want to set the stage by saying LPL Financial is definitely a leader when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And in fact, they won, you know, congratulations LPL for winning an award uh, the Wealth Management Wealthies Award for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion efforts. Um, so it really stands apart. Can you share with me some of the key initiatives that like contributed to that award, contributed to that success, and what sets, I guess, the approach apart from other companies? Absolutely. And, and I'll share how we were thinking about that particular award, as well as what's at stake within the advisor-centric uh, marketplace. We certainly are paying attention to data that shows that advisors are making decisions to join companies based on a number of factors. They're looking for uh, cultures that match their values and beliefs. They're looking for technology solutions that allow them to grow and scale their businesses. But they're also looking for autonomy and the ability to gain market share. And so what LPL has been focused on 
uh, certainly looking at this macroeconomic environment that we're in, is really communicating out how our organization is an organization of choice for advisors. In fact, if I think about um, Cerulli data that came out in 2021, there are data points that show that 30% of the industry's assets will be managed by advisors in the independent and hybrid RIA channels as we move toward the year 2025. And so the wealthies allowed us an opportunity to really talk about how we're cultivating uh, the diversity and inclusion aspects of advisors who um, join our organization. And I think that's really important because um, other data is showing us that advisors who are aging and making decisions to retire uh, from the profession will have to think about how we're replacing them from a pipeline perspective. And one of the ways that we can do that is to really become um, a institution of choice for, uh, again, people of color and women who are going to be the new entrants into the advisory space. So the wealth is just an indication of how we're bringing resources together across our organization to tell that compelling story, marketing and communication, working with our business um, leaders to identify our clients who have grown and scaled their businesses since they joined LPL and really showing that out to the market as a proof point of how successful advisors can be if they choose to join the LPL organization. So we're really excited about it. Of course, the body of work was driven out of the client communities and sustainability team. And it was just a big win for us because it really demonstrated that the work that we have been focused on can have tangible uh, outcomes and returns for the business. And that's what we're ultimately trying to do. It's all about you know, value creation for the organization and for our advisors and our clients. No, that's great. And so when you say tangible benefits, um, I know that you know these efforts really launched in 2018 for LPL. What have mm -hmm. been the benefits that you know more concrete that, that LPL has experienced with with okay. all of these efforts? Yeah. Well, you know, when I think about um, the tangibles, I really uh, track back to the things that we measure on a day-to-day -day basis, monthly and quarterly basis around um, advisor perceptions and advisor. Uh, sentiments across our business, really ensuring that advisors see the opportunity at LPL to grow and scale their organization. Um, I also think about our LPL services group, which has year over year, since uh, the capabilities rolled out, uh, just continue to grow aspects of providing services like admin solutions, para planning solutions, marketing solutions to advisors so that they can work on their business and not have to spend all their time in administrative tasks working in their business. And certainly we track our data points. Um, we know that women advisors within our industry are about 18.3% uh, on average when you look at um, our similar peer set. We're excited that we have 3,400 women advisors at LPL and we're just a few basis points short of that 18%, but we're working very diligently to increase that number. People of color, very similar statistics. We're working to grow our numbers around Hispanic advisors, Black advisors, Native American advisors. And so we're coming together with our management teams um, and our leaders across the organization on a very, very frequent basis to look at our data and to really ask questions and to set higher standards for ourselves as to how we continue to increase diversity within our advisor space. And I think, you know, the results, I mean, I'm just looking at, you know, even if you just look at financial results for LPL and stock prices, 
I mean, you can tell the financial results over the last few years have been exponential. And right. so something's working, right? <laughs> That's the ultimate pull through. That's the ultimate pull through. <laughs> That's right. Well, that's good. So I think one of the other initiatives that LPL had was this whole video series called Around the Table and showcases the unique you know, perspectives of black financial advisors. And it's kind of one of those things that's, you know, a black advisor telling other black advisors, hey, you can you can become an advisor or other uh, folks like look at me, look what I'm doing and and kind of that encouragement, because really from a, a statistical standpoint, they're, you know, um, underrepresented. And so that encouragement. So I guess I was just wondering kind of the backstory. What inspired, uh, you know, the series and, you know, how do you hope that that influence, um, you know, impacts the uh, financial industry and the wider community? That's right. And just to put some numbers behind the perspective that you just shared, Black or African-American advisors represent just about 3% of our industry. And so when you think about that in terms of what the national representation looks like, we are vastly short of the overall national representation of African-Americans in the United States. And so, you know, I talk a lot about industry initiatives. I talk a lot about companies really focusing and having resources and strategic plans around how we drive changes. But the Around the Table series really allowed us to bring in our client perspectives, and to have conversations about what do Black African-American advisors need to grow and scale their businesses. And it's, it's a really interesting mix of things that uh, I think LPL can bring to bear and that we are bringing to bear, but that we can also work with our industry peers on. Things like ensuring that we have um, access to capital, right? That is a big piece, ensuring that you have the capital access that you need to really grow and scale your business. I had a conversation with a Black advisor who's now 20 years into the space and who is managing over $250 million AUM. And he said to me, he said, Regina, my first year in advisory, I earned $4,000. Of course, his wife was working and able to provide some financial assistance. But the point is, we want to have a better um, foundation for advisors who are interested in this industry and who are um, intent on getting in and really staying in for the long term. And so one of the things that we can do is really bring some capital solutions, um, think about what the right affiliation model might be, and then really have things like the Around the Table series be proof points to folks who are looking uh, for others as their inspiration of how to do this. And so that's what we are constantly thinking about. How do we get the stories out? How do we tell about folks who've been successful? And then ultimately, how do we ensure that conditions of success are set up so that our new uh, entrants into the profession don't have to fight some of the battles that folks who have been at this for a while had to fight on their early end of their journeys? No, it's great. So, you know, definitely capital is one of those barriers. What are some of the other main barriers that, um, you know, I'd say for for there to be success that the black financial advisors have, you know, overcome these barriers in creating a career. What are those barriers that they had to, you know, what are those hurdles they had to jump over and, you know, what's being done to kind of remove those barrier, barriers? So capital's one. What are some of the yeah. other ones? Capital is one. And I think about this kind of as a right side, left side conversation. On the right side, you have all of those day-to-day -day tasks 
that are required to run a business, your payroll, um, your uh, hiring of um, talent, marketing, now that we have social media, really investing time into social media, I call those the work in the business aspects of growth and scale. On the right side, you have all of the strategic areas, thinking about long-term client acquisition, um, really thinking about areas like mergers and acquisition, where when that makes sense for your business, um, possibly even for those who have gained some success, considering succession planning and transition. Well, if you're spending all of your time working in the business, which um, if you look at the numbers in financial advisory, we still have about 50% concentration of folks who are sole proprietors, which means you're the only person who, um, who show up every day to kind of run that business operation. Being able to leverage services through an organization like LPL can help balance out that working in the business um, in favor of working on the business. And that's where my group and I know my colleagues at LPL spend a lot of time consulting with, counseling, uh, not only our Black advisors, but all of our advisors who really aspire to grow because it's about having a trusted relationship with an organization that can help you think through what are all those pivot points that you're going to have to um, contemplate in your growth journey and how can LPL really wrap its arms around you to help you with your marketing, to help you if you need an admin assistant. Maybe instead of hiring one, you can select an admin from one of our outsourced solutions. And that could be something that is very helpful to your organization. Even simple things like payroll, being able to free up your time so that you don't have to do that on a day-to-day -day basis um, by having some payroll support. And so I just think LPL has really leaned in not only to ensuring that diverse advisors are successful, but that all of our advisors are successful by creating a suite that can be leveraged throughout the business maturity journey so that you can focus on the business versus spending most of your time focused in the business. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so if we think about, you know, I look at, you know, my firm is North Texas Wealth Management. We have a diverse client base. Um, but how can the financial industry as a whole, I guess, do a better job serving minorities, serving the black community or Hispanics? Um, what, what do you think is like missing in our industry? Yeah, I'm going to pull on a data point from our business review. Their 2019 report shows that inclusiveness, really thinking about having a broad mix within an organization, it enhances professional performance. And in fact, the research found that teams with inclusive leaders are 17% more likely to report that they are high performing, 20% more likely to say that they make high quality decisions, and 29% more likely to report behaving collaboratively. And I know Vance and Nicole can provide a lot more context on that. Um, given what they do. But I, I, I use that to really maybe put on the table that financial services shouldn't leave value um, on the table by not ensuring that we are being inclusive of women and people of color and uh, other diversity dimensions within our practices. I also think that one of the things that's going to work on our behalf as we really engage in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is the pragmatic nature in which financial services leaders, you know, think and process. 
It's all about the data. When we look at historic data, when we look at patterns and information, it's really easy to see where the wealth gaps are within the country. So six times more wealth in Caucasian families than African-American and Hispanic families. Um, it's really clear to see that in some of our diverse areas, um, communities like the African-American and Hispanic community, uh, wealth is concentrated in two asset classes. So it's pretty much the pension and 401 based K, excuse me, 401k based assets, um, as well as a home. So what better profession than financial advisory to really get in and help those communities not only understand financial literacy, but understand the opportunities of uh, maximizing diversification. And so that, that pragmatic critical thinking aspect of what we do um, I think is going to be critical to helping us to shape DEI going forward. A few other things I could mention around, you know, making sure that our organizations are resourced and setting progressive goals year over year to really focus on this. I think those are really key. And then the last one, I think we're going to pull this thread a little bit later in the conversation is being aware of bias. If you look around your office, you don't see anybody in your office that's a woman or anyone that's a person of color. Just being curious and asking some questions. How can we recruit for more historically black colleges and universities? How might we bring someone in um, maybe as a female intern this year? Are there any diverse serving nonprofits that we could contribute to? There's just so many um, ways that you can begin to impact things in a different way. Um, but just being curious about what you see, I think, is really important for us to just start acknowledging where we see inclusion and where we don't. Get, get those unique perspectives that everybody has. And the more diversity and geography, you know, um, culture, everything, um, you know, backgrounds, and it just adds more to the conversation. You can learn so much. So, so Vance, let me, let me ask you, what aspects of the company culture and reputation are crucial for attracting the best talent? And given success in the organization at LPL, uh, what are those key attributes? You know, I think that I'm probably going to echo a lot of what Regina said that is critical to the employees um, is very much in line with what's critical to the advisors, that they are able to see a culture that they can align to from a values perspective, that they feel that it is inclusion based um, and not just from a diversity perspective from representation. Um, I know Nicole's going to want to jump in and um, share some data, but um, you know, in the industry, uh, as we talked about advisors in the industry, from an employee perspective, for women, it's 20 to 25 percent within our industry are women. And for people of color within financial services employees, it's even lower. It's 15, 15 to 25 percent. And so, um, as Regina was saying, we set aspirational targets every year and we are already um, exceeding the representation with the within the industry. So we're already a step ahead. And every year we continue to set the bar higher and higher because we want our representation internally to represent the greater population. So um, that there's the diversity aspect of it, but the inclusionary behaviors and practices are definitely ingrained into um, our culture and our DEIB efforts, as well as, as I talked about earlier, the talent development aspect of this. So making sure that people have um, a best-in-class manager with inclusionary behaviors, we fold a lot of that into the curriculum for managers of all levels. 
people who aspire to be managers. We have programs for people so that they can accelerate their trajectory into a leadership role before they officially manage others. First time managers up through senior executives, all of that um, in terms of inclusionary behavior, inclusionary practices, unconscious bias are folded into our curriculum because we wanna continue to provide the best managers possible. But we're also developing our talent internally in a very conscientious and um, intentional way. So we have created programs um, that are designed to accelerate someone's progress um, in the skills, knowledge, and experience that they would need to be considered either for an internal mobility role in another area of the firm that they may not have considered before or into a promotion opportunity because they may not have had development in other firms or within the financial services industry, and we're trying to accelerate that. And so um, we're so proud of the wealthies that um, Regina and team have recently won. We're also really excited to share that uh, the development program that we have for our Emerging Leader Program, which is for diverse top talent at the AVP and VP level to try to accelerate their readiness for promotion, just run won a best-in-class award called uh, the Brandon Hall Award. So one gold um, and uh, it, it was the highest of, of honors and recognition. But we're building that model out for all levels of leaders within our firm because we, we realize that um, to not only, um, to Regina's point, go to historically black universities and try to recruit talent early in career, to go within the tech industry where we also have um, female technologists are at a premium across the board. And we want to be a, 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 a destination for female technologists. So we're broadening the ways in which we recruit um, because we use, as Regina said, we use a lot of data and insights to find where are our opportunities? Where do we have more swings at the bat? And then build programs and initiatives that try to drive and deliver on those outcomes. And Nicole, I know that we live this every day. And so representation, best managers, developing talent and retention are really critically important. But our initiatives and the way that we measure specifically employee sentiment, which we haven't gotten into, I know that that is a passion of yours. And so I'd like to turn it over to you. No, absolutely. Thank you, um, Vance, because it is a passion. And every time I get an opportunity to talk about this and some of the work that we're doing with other colleagues in the industry, I'm always shocked that we are probably one of the only companies that are doing it this way. And so we've decided that diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging is part of our culture. It is part of our culture story, and it's part of our, D our DNA here at LPL. And so with our culture, we do this process, what we call sense and adapt. And so what that means is every single month we go out and we interview our employees, and we also do surveys with our employees to get a sense of what is our culture, what does our culture look like, and what does it feel like to them? Because I think, you know, one of the most, one of the great things that Disney talks about is, you know, your, your customer, your um, customer engagement won't ever exceed that of your employee engagement. So it's super important that we have an understanding of what's happening with our employees so that they can deliver great services and products to our advisors. And so we do this every month. And again, it's called Sense and Adapt. We interview and do surveys and we actually get that information, we send it over to a, a third party vendor because um, to, uh, 
to evaluate that that uh, that survey and give us the results because we want to make sure that we're not being biased in looking at the data. And so to take that bias out of even that system, we send it to our third party vendor who gives us a report back to say, here are the areas that we're doing well in. Here are the areas that we have opportunities and that we may want to focus on. Once we get those areas of opportunities, we um, we and the things that we are doing well on, we continue making progress on the things that we're doing well on. And then we also put plans in place to address those things that that may be opportunities for us during that particular um, survey interval. So that really goes back to that portion where we talk about belonging and how we define it as being seen, heard and valued. This process gives us a great opportunity to make sure that our employees are being heard and that they actually see, because we don't just do this report for ourselves, we actually share the outcomes of this report with our employees so that they can see exactly where we are and, and what we need to do to move the needle forward. And so it's a it's a great process. And like I said, it is um, seldom that I hear any of my other colleagues um, using this type of um, this type of inquiry and um, and data capturing to help them determine the next steps and to set goals on those next steps to move our not just our DEI um, our and belonging efforts forward, but really to bring our move our culture. And, you know, Nicole, one of the things that I think is also really powerful that we do that I don't think a lot of other companies do, in addition to that, is we ask our employees throughout the year things like, um, my opinion counts at work. I feel accepted by my coworkers that I think diversity is valued at LPL. And we candidly ask them directly, do you feel like you belong here? And we ask that throughout the year so that we can continue to measure and make sure that our retention and our engagement stays incredibly high. But being the data-driven company we are, we're able to slice that by diverse community. And then we also ask them, what could we do better? What's working for you and what could we do better so that we continue to evolve the efficacy of our efforts? And so what's really great about measuring that so frequently is, um, you know, in 2022, we were really, really proud to see that there was equity and parity in the ratings for those questions across our diverse communities which um, you know, is really what most companies aspire for. So we're, we're pleased and, and really humbled by it and want to con continue to maintain that as we move forward. No, that's great. I think, um, Nicole, it's such a great um, you know, quote from, from Disney, but you know, I've always felt the same way. You can't have um, a great client experience or a great customer experience if you're not taking care of your employees. Uh, they're going to treat your your customers as you treat them. So I think that's such a huge point. Um, you know, I read Stephen Covey, and, and one of the quotes that I've always enjoyed is that treat your employees like volunteers because, you know, they volunteer the best parts of their talent and efforts every day. There's no way that you can create rules or pay systems that will really get the best out of, um, you know, your employees. So making them feel like they belong and, and listening, which is, is really, you know, advanced. You're talking about how much you get that feedback and listen and then be intentional right. about the culture is such an important component. Um, you know, across the organization, um, you're really setting the bar for, you know, a great client experience, a great customer, right. a great advisor experience as well. It's good. Um, obviously, you're, you know, passionate about, um, you know, what you do. And I was just looking at, you know, what are the future goals, kind of what's next? Um, 
kind of what do you see as your biggest success so far? I kind of want to take take the opportunity to, to listen to each of you. What do you see as your you know biggest, biggest success so far, and then what's next? What are these future goals? How do you keep driving this forward? I think the the thing that there's a couple of things that we're that we're really proud of. Um, the Brandon Hall Award for um, for the the Emerging Leaders Program is definitely one that we're really proud about. Um, it is a very high standard, as Vance spoke about, and everyone, you know, it's hard to get the gold, and, and we were able to get it for a program that was geared towards helping to move our diverse talent and accelerate their readiness. So super excited about that. I think the other thing that we're excited about that Vance mentioned is, you know, we look at our data all the time regarding our representation. And he taught, Vance talked about the industry benchmarks. And I think we're really excited that our, our leadership team isn't comfortable with just meeting the benchmarks, that we've set some really good aspirational goals uh, for where we want to be as an organization. And we're making progress towards achieving those aspirational goals. So we are super excited about um, the work that is going on there for our, from all of the, the um, groups in LPL, from our talent acquisition to our HR business partners, to our workforce analytics partners who help us look at the data and help determine what next steps we need to take in order to meet those aspirational goals. We're really excited about those partnerships. And then lastly, because I don't want to take all of them because I know Vance has some as well. We're excited about really the we 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 had um, employee resource groups in the past, but we're really excited about the work that we're doing today with our employee resource groups. Um, we kind of called it a relaunch of those resource groups. We're excited that um, that there's fire and there's networking taking place. And because we have now anchored on this concept of belonging, our employee resource groups have really turned from being places of solely places of social interaction to places where we're actually moving towards having real business impact. And that is like the golden, uh, like that is the place that that is the greatest place for our employee resource groups. And we are really making progress towards moving those um, groups in that direction. So those are, would be just a handful of things besides our culture and besides our financials and some of the other things that we've been able to accomplish. But those are just a few that I will, um, I'll throw out there. One of the things that I'm most excited about and it's showing itself on today's call are the resources and the leadership commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion across LPL. Um, when I think about what we're doing in client communities, we have now offered communities to more than 10% of our advisor um, ecosystem. That includes our women of impact advisor communities, our black African-American community. We're even standing up new communities to support people with disabilities, veterans, and uh, faith-based uh, individuals as well. And so when we think about what communities will be at LPL, it will really be um, an aspect that we're calling For You, By You, where advisors can get in with other advisors and lead content, study groups, uh, ensure that they're exchanging best practices uh, across our um, just vast network of more than 21,000 advisors. And we believe at scale that that's not only going to drive our aspirations around diversity, but it's also going to ensure that our clients meet their goals of growth, scale, and prosperity. Um, the last thing I'll mention here that's really um, key from a data perspective, when you look at the age of advisors right now, the average age is 51 years, 
with nearly 20 years of tenure. Advisors between the ages of 55 and 64 account for more than 30% of total assets under management in the industry. And so what this shows us is that we have an extreme opportunity to cultivate a pipeline of Gen Z and millennial advisors. And so I'm having conversations with very established advisory firms about their junior advisors who they're bringing into their practices. And we're not leaving junior advisors out of community. We're standing up communities for folks who are new to the industry, who have zero to three years of experience. And some of what they're going to be focused on are receiving certifications, making sure that they have mentors, as well as that they have an opportunity to leverage technology, which uh, LPL is a leader in ensuring that we're bringing technology to our advisors. So those are the things that excite me. It's the leadership commitment across LPL. It's the investment in community and making sure that everyone has an opportunity to find their tribe. And it's also looking at the pipeline and being intentional about bringing not only diversity, but generational uh, diversity within what we are doing so that our organization is sustainable today and, uh, and beyond. That's great. Vance, did you have anything to, to add to that? Yeah, you know, just to chime in um, and echo what Regina said about our senior leadership really being not only a supporter, but an advocate and a champion for our DEIB efforts, our entire management committee led really by, um, um, as part of the culture transformation by Dan Arnold. The DEIB is very much um, at the forefront of our culture, and it's even something that we report out to the board. So in terms of our progress, in terms of representation, in terms of talent development, the recruiting, the re development, and the retention strategy, is really critical to us. And it's something that we, as, as um, Nicole said, we share with our employees as well, so that we showed them um, the priority that is placed within the firm. I think in terms of next steps, Regina mentioned that we are a highly collaborative organization, which is a bit of that inclusion behavior in action, but we're taking it a step further and creating um, a framework for which we problem solve collaboratively. It's not just that we're all willing to jump in and help each other, but we're solving real business problems. And uh, it's a focus on critical thinking that is intentional in inviting people to the table with different diversity of thought, knowledge, skills, and experience. It's very, very intentional so that you're bringing people of diversity of thought together to solve real business problems and we feel like that's a differentiator that's moving our organization forward as well. So it's almost inclusion in action, if you will. Yeah, it's allowing people to have a voice, feel included, but also be productive. And I think that's right. one of the challenges that some of the communities have faced is you kind of create all these organizations within your organization. Yeah. But then when you go to measure the impact, it could be lacking. And then you say, well, this is a lot of effort for not a lot of results. So I, I, I commend that. That's the right, I think, the right direction. Right. And, and you can get huge results out of it. I, I do want to um, ask this last question. Um, I think these efforts are worthwhile. We've seen the results. But for those that are listening and saying, you know, there's a line here. There's, there's some threshold at which your efforts towards inclusion are ex actually exclusion, right? So if there's a women's event, well, I didn't get invited because I'm not a woman. Where's that line? Um, Regina, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, you know, I think it's really important to 
have um, all voices be a part of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I spent time with some of our highest producing clients at um, our summit conference in Barcelona, Spain. And I can tell you that I had wonderful conversations with folks who have grown thriving advisory practices who are willing to share, to give back, to mentor, to coach others. And I think we have to think about DEI from the perspective of what do uh, what do we all have that we can bring to this as a solution set? And it may be different for different people. You know, some people can bring financial resources to help uh, solve some problems that we're having within our communities. Other people may be able to bring root cause analysis to uh, thinking through what some of the systemic challenges are. Um, others may be able to teach and uh, really help folks from that perspective. But I just think that this is a space where we can think about our gifts and talents and what we have to contribute and then be okay with what that with what that is. Um, what I really love about how companies I've been with, as well as LPL, have approached diversity, even in the context of things like communities. The community is open to anyone, whether right. you share the you know demographics of most of the folks who are in that community or whether you're an ally. Uh, you are invited in, and that is the power of inclusion, as um, Vance was saying. It really is about inviting us all in so that we can work together to ensure that we're making positive changes, not only for our organizations and our communities, but ultimately, I want to see our country win. And so that's right. hey, that's, uh, that's that's critically, critically important. And Regina, I think we found that even with the development programs that I talked about. So we have an annual women business leader program. And actually through feedback from our women executive constituents, they said, look, we would love for our male counterparts to come and join in the activities, to be a part of the conversation, to help us brainstorm as a group, to advance the things that we're focused on, and to really unlock the talent across the organization. Even with the Emerging Leader Program that we won the Brandon Hall Award for, we did experiment with if we had a 100% diverse cohort go through, and certainly they were every bit as successful, but the cohort said, we want it to be representative of everybody across the firm. We don't want it to be specifically for any segment of the population. So I think we're very intentional about finding that balance. It's just making sure that the representation exists, that everybody is being plugged into those programs in an intentional way, whereas before they may not have been. Um, and so I think that, that that is really important that it is balanced, it is broader, and we're finding that people want that allyship and that opportunity to stand shoulder to shoulder. Well, I think it is important work and you're making a difference. And so thank you all for your time today. Thanks for uh, taking a minute to be a part of the Values Exchange and, you know, helping create uh, the communities, helping people find their voice, uh, that sense of belonging and community and that connection is really what people are, are looking for. That's, that's really what it's all about. So thank you, thank you for your expertise and uh, appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so, for lending your platform to such an important topic and even inviting us yeah. to have this conversation. Um, if, if it was inclusion and practice in itself. So thank you, Mike. All right, thanks. great. All right, thanks guys. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Values Exchange podcast. Stay tuned till the next episode where as a pilot, I have a great guest coming, going to talk about experience with fighter planes. 
very exciting. She was the first Filipina F-16 pilot for the U.S. Air Force and is now the first F-35 pilot for Lockheed Martin uh, that's a female. It's going to be a very fascinating story. Stay tuned.